Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. What, are you, what have you gotten me up early on a Sunday for? What's this all this, about? This is a whole new way of interviewing, Dan, because I just wanted to bring up something that you really love. I don't like mixing up the format. I like things to be nice and predictable. <laughs> well, you know what else you like, Dan? You like, you like dinosaurs, don't you, Dan? Oh, I do like dinosaurs. At least I and, used and to. You know what I like now? Those What's giant that? crocodiles that can sprint across the savannah. <laughs> They're good. So what don't you like about dinosaurs now, Dan? What's upset you so much about dinosaurs? The modern dinosaur, the millennial dinosaur. Because they're so friggin' adorable and fluffy and bloody and, and, and maternal. When I grew up, they were these giant, like, sinister, leathery lizard things that right, would yes. just... just they were just so cool. They were just so That's awesome and, like, horrifying. They were like monsters, real-life monsters, things of nightmares that actually existed. That was so exciting. And now they're just giant f***ing pigeons. Chickens. Yeah, they're just chickens. They're just like chickens with attitude. That's really what they are, aren't they? Which, which is just a chicken, really. A chicken is a chicken with attitude. So, well, I'm, I've got some good news, Dan. We're going to be talking today with, to, uh, to a dinosaur. To a dinosaur who who's wants to apologise to you personally. No, we're going to be talking to a person today. Uh, Dan has no idea who we're going to be talking to about dinosaurs, and hopefully it will make you feel better. So I'm just going to bring them into the uh, into the call. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Caitlin Syme. Hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. Now, for those who probably remember Dr. Caitlin, we talked to you in the past. Uh, you are a taphonomist from the University of Queensland, where you were studying your PhD in taphonomy. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, if I remember now, correctly, last time we talked to Caitlin Syme, but this time we're talking to yes. Dr. Caitlin Syme. <sighs> yep, that's right. <laughs> Finally got that PhD. Nice. So we, we, smart enough to know better, like to ride the coattails of other people's success. So I know you put in, oh, look, 99.9999999999% of the work, but we like to think that, that our interview helped you on some level. That's, that's what we like to think. Oh, definitely, definitely. It helped me clarify a lot of the ideas that I was trying to put into my thesis. Yeah, it helped a lot. Well, there you, see, there you go, listeners. It's, look, we, we, we're almost got a PhD of our own, almost. <laughs> now, today, Dr. Dr. Caitlin, I was going to keep calling that a lot today because it's, it's cool to be able to say go, that. Go, go, go right ahead. That's that. <laughs> Yay! We've had PhDs on before. We've had PhD candidates before. We've never had someone transition between the two, which is exciting. I didn't realise that, but I'm the first on your podcast. That's excellent. So now... <laughs> What we've, what we've brought you on to talk about today, Dan loves, uh, well, used to love dinosaurs, but unfortunately now modern science, like science always does, has ruined it, totally ruined, ruined it. it. Like it got better for a while. When I was a kid, 
like your T-Rex would lumber around like Godzilla, sort of waddling, like all upright. And I still thought it was amazing. And then, boom, 1993, Jurassic Park, suddenly T-Rex was like this sprinting <laughs> hunter. Like that was, that was apex, apex predator. And then things started to go south. Yeah, and then they all became fluffy, and we realised they were birds, or type of birds, or then, then, related to then, birds. Then dinosaurs started to migrate south, you might say. That's... <laughs> <laughs> and so, I wanted to do this as a special idea for Dan. I wanted Dr. Caitlin to come on and talk about the thing I've just sent to Dan here. Is a picture, Dan, you can now look at, of something called a nodosaur. Now, Dr. Caitlin, can you explain what's been discovered with this fossil of the nodosaur? Yeah, sure. So this nodosaur is from Canada, and it's from an oil sand deposit. And there was a mining company in 2011 that were digging up this bitumous oil and found this amazingly preserved nodosaur, which is a armoured dinosaur, a bit like the Ankylosaurus, but without the tail club. And it's that's, just, that's like it's a four-legged like, dinosaur, isn't it? Like a, with yeah, a big, yeah. big club. Yeah, okay. yeah it's a four-legged four dinosaur with armour covering its back. I'm and, very familiar with Ankylosaurus. He's the yeah, only one yeah, who so can not, stand up to T-Rex. Yes, yeah. So the nodosaur doesn't have the club at the end of its tail, like the Ankylosaurus do, but they look very, very similar. And this particular specimen is just amazingly preserved it's a hundred percent there you can even see some traces of soft tissues and scales it's just a really really beautiful specimen we're going to put the link in the podcast notes so when i saw this picture this week i was shocked at the detail on this animal skin okay have you seen it yet dan can you see yes. all your dreams coming true here dan yes it, there's no feathers on it at all it's all spines not, <laughs> it's all spines spikes they are saying that it's, it looks like it's got keratin they, they even understand that the, the skin of it now it's, it's an incredible find absolutely yeah. incredible find yeah it so, really just looked like it died yesterday it doesn't look like it's 80 million years old that's and that was what i was going to ask about when things aren't fossilized i guess if they're just preserved how long can we preserve an animal so if i drop dead right now into some into some tundra ice like some sort of uh, preserved caveman then how long before they could find me would i be recognizable as a human being depends on the environment. So say if you were frozen in ice, and if you've ever seen, there are some wonderful mammoth specimens that have been found that are frozen and still have their skin and fur. And really, it's just how long that ice deposit can last without it melting. Uh, are, th- are those mammoths intact with their uh, with their saddles? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So we so they're, so they're they're like ten thousand years old in the ice, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the time limit there is really more to do with ice ages and whether polar caps oh. are melting and reforming, and whether a section of ice is going to melt and thaw, and then the body might decay before you even get to see it. That time limit really is only just how long can a, a section of ice stay frozen on this planet and not be disturbed. Right. Oh, okay. So, so if there was, I mean, the Earth has gone through very hot periods, much hotter than it is today, and very cold periods. So, there's no chance that there's ever been a lump of ice that's lasted a hundred million years. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Right. That's and that's the limit. That's what stops us from having literal bodies of dinosaurs wash up on beaches or turn up in the ice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, ice, ice would be the best way to do that to preserve them. Mummification is really good as well. But mm-hmm. still, after a couple of million years, that material has to either turn to stone or it will just be degraded. Right. And that's, and that's the next step. So, 
So we have preservation, and then and then there's fossilization. Yes, fossilization is when the materials in that specimen get replaced with minerals. So essentially, when you're looking at a fossil, you're looking at a rock that is in the place of where bone and skin used to be. And sometimes that can take the form of a cast, and sometimes it can take the form of a mould. The animal buried in the sand might decay and leave behind a hollow shape, which can then get filled out with other minerals. Mm-hmm. Or So, yeah, you, you don't have any internal structure of the bone in that sense uh, preserved because it's just like pouring moulding material into a Around cast. Around it. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, so why, when I think of a fossil, though, this is what shocked me about this this fossil, this notosaur fossil, which is, I, once again, if your listeners haven't seen it, go see this picture. It, it's it's astounding. It looks uh, like Medusa saw a dinosaur. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it really does. Um, now, but when I think of a fossil, I think of bones. I think of like you know the the, the brachiosaur's bone structure. They find hips and skulls and all that sort of stuff. This is something else entirely. This is a whole different level of detail. Well, in fact, there's detail to start off with. I didn't think this was possible. Well, the the interesting thing about notosaurs and ankylosaurs is that they do have this armor covering their entire body. So we are still looking at bones. It just happens to cover their entire bodies and follows the outline of the original body shape. So that's why it looks so uh, lifelike. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. So yeah. their skull is on the outside. Yeah. Would they have had a little tiny bit of skin on the outside of that? Or? Yeah. yeah. The, best, the best way to think about it, like a crocodile, because crocodiles have bones called osteoderms in their skin. Right. So it's like, it's like a second skeleton <laughs> okay. covering that. Yeah, so there's still, there will still be skin covering that bone and that's what uh, a lot of the paleontologists are really excited about when they're talking about finding traces of keratin what they're talking about is keratin covering the bone which is covering the animal right now does this let us know what color the animal is what the notosaur was was it like bright orange or purple or black or white or something like that do we know yet no, uh, this this hasn't actually been fully studied yet, and that's a little surprising to some of us because paleontologists are notoriously worried about having ideas scooped from them, taken right. from them. <laughs> this, this specimen is on display in a museum in Alberta already, but it hasn't been published and it hasn't been formally described. It doesn't have oh. <laughs> a name yet. So, yeah, a lot of the analyses are still ongoing, so there, there will be more information to come out of this i think it's just so beautiful they couldn't not put it on display as soon as it was as soon as it was prepared it's yeah it's it, it is amazing now when i was reading it how it was found it, it really scared me because it was actually digging up bitumen to to burn basically so it was a quarry and they dug it accidentally out of the ground so now that's lucky that they stopped a giant machine that was smashing up the rocks to, to care, which makes me think that lots of fossils just get mulched by you know coal, big coal miners or something like that. I, you know, we never even know about them. A lot of companies are pretty good with their due diligence, and they have plans in place. Basically, say if you see anything that looks a little bit different or looks a little bit weird, I mean, it's in their best interest anyway. If they come across a deposit that looks a bit different, they want to stop work and make sure that they haven't found some weird rock deposit that they don't want to mine. Yeah, they want liquid Uh dinosaurs, not uh, solid dinosaurs. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But they also have in place plans around 
paleontological find. So in this site in particular, there have been other really well-preserved fossils found. And they have plans in place to say, if you see something that looks a bit weird and could be a fossil, you need to contact our geologist on site and they will go check it out. You need to stop work. So while it can be a little bit scary to think that these mining operations might be chomping through beautiful fossil specimens, they do actually try not to, as soon as they notice them, to, to stop yes. work. It's, if, it's if, saying, and you would never get to them if not for the fact that they're digging down like 800 metres. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. 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 You don't even I mean, know where you're looking. Yeah, there's a whole other philosophical question there, of course, that if you're not digging <laughs> down in the first place, then they're being protected anyway, and maybe that's a good thing, but then we would never know about them. So, yeah, yeah I think I think a, a, a bit of, a little bit of, destructive processing to be able to get this information is better than not finding it at all. That's my personal opinion. Yep. So you can't dust the entire globe to a depth of 40 metres. No. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. The aliens will teach us. So as, when you cast your professional eye over this fossil, what do you expect to be able to find? Like, if you're looking at it, you'd say, we, well, I think in, in 10 years' time we'll know X, Y, and Z about dinosaurs that we didn't know before. I would definitely expect to find really good preservation of stomach content. Oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and whether these animals were the type that would swallow stones to help grind up their food. So whether there are any gastroliths in the stomach. The gastroliths look like really Hang nice. On, uh, that sounds a bit bird-like. Is that like a bird-like thing? <laughs> Uh-oh. No, no, it's just, it's just a round pebble. Okay. Um, okay yeah, there, there are animals today that do eat stones. Are they birds? Are they birds? I think there are some birds that swallow mm. stones. I mean, they don't have teeth, <laughs> so they can't chew their food in the same way. Um, um, now, you're, yeah, so but hang on, hang on, hang on. You think that there's going to be information about its stomach contents. In my mind, at this point, I am under the impression that a dinosaur fell into some like soft sand, and then the dinosaur decayed or and such, and then it was all replaced by like lava, and then the lava cooled <laughs> and turned into like just a big stone shape of the outside of the dinosaur. But it sounds like you're saying that there's more going on internally than just a stone all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the thing is that the stone will replace what was ever inside in the same shape and form of whatever was inside. So say if it had eaten leaves and sticks, then hopefully those minerals have replaced leaf shapes and stick shapes, right. and you'll be able to see them as their own fossils inside the fossils. So it hasn't just flowed in like it's a mould, it's that little tiny bits of bone were slowly replaced by mineral deposits. Yeah, in the same shape. And, and the fact that they, the people who have looked at it say that they can find traces of keratin seems to support that idea as well. That it's not like if you chop this fossil in half, it would just be the one type of rock all the way through. There seems to be different fine structures that have been replaced by different minerals. Wow. So we're going to discover what, what its last meal was when it was like, yum, 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 ah, death! You know, that yep. <laughs> so what, how do we think it died? Like, was it, was it eaten by something else? It ate was all it this like stone. It ate all this stone. It looks like <laughs> stone it, leaves. Was it hunted by cavemen? Uh, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, so it was found in an ocean deposit, an ancient ocean. So, so it drowned. It paddled too far out to sea and drowned. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, there are a number of ankylosaur and nodosaurs that get found in marine deposits. And people have wondered whether maybe they like hanging around coastlines and on beaches. 
so when they die, then their bodies just get washed into the ocean. I'm not sure if I were a notosaur covered in heavy bone armor that I would necessarily want to go for a swim. I don't know how buoyant. Is there any evidence of like air sacs under the armor? Maybe it can like it can like, like suck air into its armor and just like float like a boat. It could be. I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I'm not a notosaur expert. I'm going to claim that. I want to claim that. <laughs> I, I, I want to say that notosaurs could could run around like little ships. And just like float above well, the surface. Turtles like... do. Turtles are, uh, are, yeah, are descended yeah, yeah. from them. So there's no reason that this shape hang of on, animal couldn't swim. Turtles no, aren't tur- descended from, are they? I mean, that's not that's not. No, a thing. no t- turtles are a, a different lineage. But turtles are good at floating in marine environments, like the Galapagos turtles. Assumedly, that's how they got there from ocean rafting. And I do remember seeing a picture of a large turtle covered in mussels and other shellfish that had attached themselves to its shell because it had been floating in the ocean for months, months and months and months, and survived. Okay. Hang on, hang on. Turtles aren't descended from dinosaurs? What, what well, about not, crocodiles? Not, uh, they're from the same ancestral group. So crocodiles mm. aren't descended from dinosaurs, but the relatives of crocodiles were, if you know what I mean. So Way back in the Triassic, you had different types of crocodiles and there were different types of these other little animals called dinosaurs and they then diverged and formed into these two different groups. Okay. Okay, I didn't realise that. Crocodiles have been around as long as dinosaurs, haven't they? Yeah, crocodiles uh, are... yeah long, longer. A longer? Yeah they, yeah, they were actually the dominant life form in the early Triassic. And then yeah. through, yeah, through, so at the very beginning of the dinosaur era, not that it's technically an era, but the, the time frame in which we think dinosaurs were around, so the Triassic, Jurassic, Cretaceous. At the very beginning of the Triassic, crocodiles were actually the dominant life form. And okay. there have been, yeah, just hundreds of different types of crocodiles, you know, ones that walked on land, ones that were fully marine, ones that had short faces and ate vegetation. They're a lot more diverse than what they are now today. So the only descendants of dinosaurs these days are avian yes yes that's right wow and of course and of course the um of course the secret masters that control the world and wear human skin suits yes the lizard folk yeah, the lizard feet, obviously, yes. Yeah. I, I didn't think you were allowed to talk about that, no, Dr. King. No, 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 it's not lizards at all. It's not reptiles at all. There are no, that's what, that's, this is the thing that's blowing my mind. There are no oh, reptile okay, right. descendants from dinosaurs. They're, rep- They're descended yes, from a, pre, a prior offshoot of the same, all right. Yes. All right, I'm just digesting well, that information. This is mind-blowing yes, information, but... and you're making jokes about yes. lizard folks. They should, if anything, be bird folks in human masks. Which is but I didn't terrifying. want to say that, Dan, could upset you. That'd be, uh, I'm already <laughs> upset. <laughs> now, so that's the notosaur. I, I mean, what else about the notosaur could we, do you think we'll learn about dinosaurs that we didn't know before? Uh, well, one really interesting aspect of this particular fossil is its foot, its hind foot, is preserved with scale on the bottom of the foot, and then there's a gap, and then there's the actual foot bones. And so presumably that gap in between was actually the muscle and fat and soft tissue of the foot pad. Oh, wow. They had little so, fat feet. Oh. Yeah, little, little well-padded feet, which, again, hopefully, I would assume, again, carrying that much armour around, you're probably quite heavy and you would need a lot of shock absorption on your foot pads. Oh, wow. Like like an elephant. Elephants have big, wide, yeah. padded feet. Yeah, yeah. The elephant foot's actually an interesting example. If you look at the skeleton, they're standing on their toes, oh. technically, 
their foot pad is so big and fat that it creates this cylinder down from where they're standing oh, wow. on their so, so they heel. They actually, yeah, that it's like they're wearing fleshy. Oh, it's going to be sound gross, but fleshy high heels. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So they're actually yeah. quite dainty. They're daintily walking across the uh, across yeah. the savanna. Yeah, quite up on their toes as much as horses are, but imagine if you then gave a horse that same sort of fleshy shape of a foot. That's I'm imagining it, and it's repulsive. Fine. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the notosaur, is it standing on its toes? Is it like, is it daintily walking across the, the savannah 100 million years ago? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there there are different grades of standing flat on your foot. So humans are planty grades. So that means that we have our whole length of our foot on the ground. And then yep. there are ungular grades, which are horses and those sorts of animals that are right on the tips of their toes. And again, I'm not a noticeable expert, so I know they're not planty grades. They're probably partway in between, a bit like a dog or a cat, where they've got their toes but not the rest of their foot on the ground. Okay, right. I see what you're saying. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's it's just a mind-blowing discovery. I just I think it's amazing. We're still finding. Speaking of how so mind-blowing much. it is, because this is your this is your wheelhouse. So, uh, Caitlin, so you would have seen this what a couple of like a week or two ago when it came into the into the media. That's that would have been your yeah. first knowledge. Like, run us yeah. through you discovering that. Did, it, did you load it up on Reddit or something, or did someone send it through <laughs> to you? Like, what did you do? What did you say? What was your physical physiological reaction? Yeah, uh, I remember uh, I do the. I think most people do laying in bed when you wake up in the morning and check your phone, check your emails. I know it's not necessarily the best thing to do, but. I saw this come up in my Twitter feed from a bunch of really excited paleontologists saying, look at this. And it was the National Geographic article was the first one I saw, actually. And I, I remember just thinking, what? What? What is, what is this? It looks, again, my first thought was it looked like it died yesterday. Mm. This doesn't look like an ancient fossilised animal. You know what? What is going on here? So yeah, that just amazing. What's the chance it's not real? What's the chance it's a hoax? Ah, uh, it's no, it's definitely real. That's okay, it's good. way to. It's way. No one really cares that much to try to make something that looks like this a hoax. <laughs> and, and the fact that you would have to then have buried it under however many tens of meters of bituminous oily sand <laughs> to then good wait point. for a miner to dig it up. Yeah. In the That's photo, right. it looks like it's wearing like an Abraham Lincoln beard. What am I? <laughs> what am I looking at there? Oh, okay. I I can't say I noticed that, but I, I'm gonna have a look myself. My, he's my guest. So totally. I don't think that's part of the dinosaur. I think that's the rock the dinosaur's looking on, and that's oh, the scrape. Yeah. That's the scrape marks. That's the scrape yeah. marks of from the, the instrument they used to get it out of the rock. That's my guess. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they the way they've prepared it, they've left some rock underneath the skull, so it's got its chin resting on rock. And the reason why it looks kind of hairy, I guess, or feathery, is exactly that. Yeah, or, or, or okay, or, but it's not part. Of, okay, Whew. I just I thought it was going to be wearing like a pink feathered beard, and I started to get upset. But all right, I'm it glad it's not look, a part of the. Yeah, now, now that no, now that you point it out, it does look a wee bit really. It, that's just a, like a little. Supportive plinth of rock left in place, and those little marks are from the drill. So that's the reason why these things take so long 
to prepare is you can see how tiny they're using dental drills essentially to chip away at the rock so they're chipping away millimeters at a time and those are all those little scrape marks that you can see so how much of this was behind that rock and how much was obvious to the people who dug it up i tried to find some original articles on when they first found this thing in, in 2011 I think part of the tail was exposed. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting that confused with uh, Zool, which is another ankylosaur. That we'll look at, an we'll at Zool very soon. Don't don't, don't ruin yeah. Zool yet. We'll we'll get to Zool. <laughs> this is quite confusing. These two really good specimens are found at the same time. But yeah, I, I have an impression. I might be wrong, but that part of the tail was preserved, and so that's when the miners stopped work and went, "Okay, what is this?" Got a geologist on site who knew about paleontology and could tell this is bone, let's carefully excavate and see if we can follow this back along how far it goes. So That must have been, I know I keep saying the word mind-blowing and I'm sorry to the listeners, but I just, could you imagine discovering like the back end of the dinosaur and you keep thinking, well, most of the time we only find bits because they're pulled apart, you know, by forces or by scavenged by animals or whatever. And then to discover the whole thing, it, it must be career-defining. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would love to know who is going to eventually publish on this specimen, who the lead authors will be, who the paleontologists are working on. I have my suspicions, uh, and I'm actually heading to Canada in August, and so I'm definitely going to go see this specimen on oh, display. Fantastic. And I'm going to talk to the paleontologists who are working with it and get a little bit of inside gossip, hopefully. But yeah, it, it would be... Absolutely. Well, I must admit the other feeling I had when I saw this specimen was jealousy. I thought, oh, <laughs> that's, that's such a beautiful fossil. Oh, I wish I could work on that fossil. <laughs> that's amazing. I can imagine. Now, Dan, I also want to bring in, we're going to go on now to the second one. It's a, it's a special, it's almost like a birthday treat for Dan because there is another, another amazing find mm -hmm. uh, that you will love i hope you will love i've just put it in in the chat so you can have a look at caitlin or dr caitlin i apologize uh dr caitlin talked about this before the zool discovery yes 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 so zool is an ankylosaur so it looks very similar to the notice we're talking about before except it does have the club at the end of its tail there's a, a close association between dan Aykroyd of ghostbusters fame and him being Canadian and also interested in fossils and opening up various exhibitions for uh, paleontologists. So I think oh, right. it, was, it, was, it was only a matter of time before somebody found a specimen that looked like something out of a Ghostbusters film and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to name it after oh. Ghostbusters. So Zool is the main baddie in the first Ghostbusters film. Uh, there is no Dana. There there is no Dana, only Zool. Um, yes. <laughs> I, think, I think you'll find the main bad guy in Ghostbusters is Goza the Gozerian, but Zool is one of his... <laughs> Zool is one of Goza's uh, offsiders. And the thing I realised the other day, which is really interesting, is people keep going on about the new Ghostbusters film being really feminist and, and progressive, but in the original Ghostbusters, the ultimate bad guy is sexless and decides on their gender when they appear. Yeah, yeah, she does, yeah. It, it, it does. I think it's genderless. I don't think that God – I mean, it's a Marshmallow Man later on, so, you know, it's, it's, it, it picks a gender. <laughs> but when, uh, anyway. when, when it picks to be female, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Is, is it female? Is, 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 sorry, is, is 
goes with a Gozerian female. I thought it was meant to be androgynous. Yeah, but she appears as a, like a female with wrapped in like crystal stuff or something. I don't know, Dan. This is a question for another time. I think I think it's meant to be genderless. I, I don't know. Uh, Man, anyway, if they wanted not, if they not... wanted her to look genderless, they shouldn't have dressed her like that because <laughs> But anyway, back to Zul. Is it actually called I mean is it a nickname or is it actually called Zul? Uh scientific name is Zul. The genus of this dinosaur is officially <laughs> Zul. So if you write the name Zul when you're talking about this dinosaur, it has to be italicized with a capital letter. It's official. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. So what's so what's impressive about Zool beyond being one of the uh, you know my girlfriend's a dog kind of you know the Ghostbuster stuff? <laughs> um, it's again another really really well preserved fossil. It's an ankylosaur, so it's similar to the nodosaur we we're talking about before, uh, except it's been found in Montana, so not far away from where that nodosaur was found. Uh, but in a formation, a, a geological unit that doesn't normally have really well preserved ankylosaur so it's one of the first really good fossils from this formation of an ankylosaur right so that, okay. that's why the, the people studying it are really excited about it because they're going to know a lot more about its biology and its mode of life because it is it yeah it's really well preserved as well and it, i don't think it's been it hasn't been finished being prepared yet so we can see the skull and we can see the tail and there's also soft tissue traces for fossilized shadows of where soft tissue were oh my around tail. So, yeah, that's just why it, it's kind of confusing. These two specimens came out in the news about two or three days apart. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's, it's just incredible. So now you, for those who haven't listened to the podcast with you originally, uh, which you absolutely should listen, I should go back and listen to that, you, part of your PhD was to take crocodiles onto the roof of the university and let them rot. Is that correct? <laughs> Down from the top of the university roof. And, and let them run. Yes. So there you uh, go. That's, that's, that's yes. science. Yes, yes, very, very scientific. Yeah, my uh, my PhD project is all about the forensic science of fossil animals and looking at how modern animals decay and then comparing the patterns you see to fossils. And especially useful with crocodiles that they do have armour in their skin when we're talking about ankylosaurs and nodosaurs that also have these bony plates in their skin. You can compare them and say, well, if I have a fossil that has a lot of bony plates in the skin and they're all in place, they're all lined up perfectly, how far along was it in its decay? Was it very fresh or do these bones lock together for a very, very long time? In the case of these ankylosaurs, it really depends how closely knitted together the bone armour is. And it is, it's all fairly contiguous, the bones really they all touch up against one another so they would stay together as a section pretty well throughout decay so you know this is why we I get you on here on the comedy blimp we now feel that we have a resident taphonomist which is fantastic <laughs> so and, and when i first saw these pictures i instantly went well i know who to talk to straight away because that's you know we, we, we've got you on we've got you on payment now which is no payment <laughs> Uh, so from your expert opinion, how the heck are these things formed? What had to have happened for these to be so accurate representations of the animals they once were? Yeah, they had to be buried really, really quickly after they died. So in the case of Zool and also the nodosaur from Canada, they were both found in ocean deposits. And these were four-legged animals that 
most likely weren't swimming around the ocean. So they must have died near the ocean and been washed in and sunk pretty quickly and got covered in mud and sand to be preserved the way they are. And the thing well, is... This really, this really torpedoes my floating dinosaur theory because they would have been on top of the ocean. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, but the, the longer they would float for, the more bones would fall off and legs and that sort of thing, and especially with the nodosaur, which still got its foot, and with the with Zool, there's still a lot of soft tissue intact, so that tissue hadn't rotted away or it hadn't been eaten away. And the thing is that bodies laying at the bottom of ocean floors aren't necessarily protected from scavenging. So the, the modern analogue is whale falls. So when whales and sink to the bottom of the ocean, there are thousands of crabs and clams and bone-eating worms and other animals that take advantage of this bountiful feast at the bottom of the ocean where there normally isn't much mm. food. So, again, for something to have been swept out into the ocean and then to sink, it still needs to then be buried pretty quickly before crabs and other crustaceans can come along and start nibbling away at the skin. So buried by sand? Is, is, is sand enough or does it have to be something specific? I'm pretty sure these two specimens were found in sand units. In the deeper parts of the ocean, mud is much more common, but the rate of deposition of mud is a lot slower as well. So I think these must have been in slightly shallower water, buried in sand and fairly thick packages of sand which is right. it's not completely unusual, but it is normally deep-sea fossils that are preserved really, really well are found in mud. So for there to be lots of sand or dirt, I, I'm going to guess it wouldn't be like on a beach, it would be next to like a river delta because they get lots of, you get lots of, you know, topsoil being swept out to sea and that sort of stuff. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Sort, of, that's sort of my guess of, is that possible? Is that well, a thing that could happen? Yeah, so they, they wouldn't be preserved on a beach because... Because of waves crashing on the shore, you get a lot of destructive forces. So anything that ends up laying on a beach gets bashed around by waves and the tide coming in and out. And you can tell from the geology as well. So there's been a lot of geological studies just done on these formations, regardless of what fossils have been found in them. And so we know that this was the Western Interior Seaway, which is what it was called, what we call the Cretaceous Inland Ocean that was there in North America. So when we find these fossils, you can look at the geology and go, okay, we already know that this was part of the Western Interior Seaway. And you can look at those sands and say, okay, we're not looking at a beach deposit. There are no sand dune shapes. There aren't lots of crushed up and broken shells like you find on the beach. These would have been washed out to sea and buried in sands, but we're talking maybe 100 metres water depth. Right. That's still yeah. quite deep. That's still, yeah. That's, so it's, yeah, it's continental but not yeah not 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 against the shore yes yeah that's right okay there we go so what would be the next stage what what would you want to find next to to add more information about dinosaurs how well preserved would it have to be for the next preservation to happen oh sorry the next the next find uh what how what, what would you like to find on the next find if that makes any sense at all? yeah yeah it's yeah, almost, makes, almost english what, what would be my dream fossil for for to find that's it that's what i yeah. said yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, these, especially that nodosaur, is pretty damn close to being perfect. 
other fossils that are found, a lot of fossils that come out of China that are found in muddy lake deposits are really, really beautiful for having soft tissue preservation and impressions on mud. So I think what I would like to see is a dinosaur that has been buried in a lake environment, in a muddy lake, and has been perfectly preserved, all of its bones are still there, and you can see all of the soft tissue traces and the outline and almost a shadow of where all the soft tissue was. That that would be amazing. That's the next step. So, Dan, we've given you the notosaur, a big, scaly, armoured, lumbering, four-legged beast. I am we've very given you pleased to know yes. that these exist. It's nice to have some news about this type of dinosaur because I get a lot of news about feathers in dinosaurs. Now, this podcast, it's relatively popular. Like, we've got a decent amount of listeners. 80% of the correspondence that I get are our listeners going, hey, Dan, look what else they found to ruin your favourite thing. Thank you. Thank you so much for investing in the subject matter of the podcast, guys. I will never be want for information that upsets me. So this is a lovely counter to that. Dr. Caitlin, will we ever know the colour of a dinosaur like the notosaur or Zool? Possibly. So it all hangs on different types of colour structure being preserved. So in the case of feathers, for example, melanosomes are these structures that reflect colour and light and other sorts of things that we'd want to find in, say, Zool or this notosaur or other dinosaurs as well. So we would need microscopic examination of the keratin covering the bony armour of this particular animal, for example, to see whether there are any structures. Because if you think about light as a physical property or a manifestation of light waves hitting a, a, a physical shape and refracting and reflecting back different colours, that, that's what we're looking for. So not necessarily a type of chemical... I'm back. Oh, he's back. Hey, Dan. Hey. Nice to see you. Yeah. While you were not there, I was very nicely discussing with Caitlin dinosaur feather colours, <laughs> so you didn't have to hear it. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but there is a link to the, the colours that they can be. Now no, I'm fine. Things. I'm fine. I don't need to look that up. I'm sure it's in my email already. <laughs> In the way that we're talking about how fossilization works earlier and that it's minerals replacing different shapes of organic structures, that's what we're looking for when we're trying to figure out colour. So melanosomes, when you find fossilised melanosomes in bird, uh, dinosaur and bird feathers, for example, it's, it's a particular shape. It, it kind of looks like a little pill shape, almost like a, a oval-shaped structure. So if we could see that in dinosaur specimens, mm. uh, of, of non-feathered dinosaurs, I should say, uh, then, yeah, that, that would be fantastic. Uh, what colour would that actually, what colour would that teach us that they were? Uh, if we found specifically melanosomes, which are, they are a structure to do with melanin production, so blacks and browns and reds, those right. sorts of colours. So there could be okay. other colours that don't get fossilised for whatever reason. The structures that reflect the light don't get fossilised, but 
if we found melanin zones, then we'd at least be able to say, um, is there black, white, red, brown? Right. That's amazing. That's okay. Well, when you go in August to see this this amazing notasaur mm. and, and talk to the people, would it be possible to maybe have a chat to you more about it then? So have a, just to yeah. get some information from the ground, our roving reporter? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I can. It'll be great podcast material. I can look at the specimen and go, wow, wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow. You have heard you have heard our podcast. It would probably be a step up. So that's all fine. Dr. Caitlin Simon, it's very excited to be able to call you Dr. Caitlin Simon. Thank you very much for coming back onto the podcast hey, and thank you uh, very teaching much us. For having me. And and Dan, are you a happy man? I'm a lot happier than I was. Excellent. Now <laughs> my job here is done. Thank you very much. I mean, much. I'm resentful about a lot of other things, but dinosaurs, this is <laughs> this is a nice little glowing patch in a world of darkness. A world of, of feathery lightness, actually. Uh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Caitlin Syme, Dr. Caitlin Syme. Dr. A... Caitlin Syme. Excellent. Uh, you can find out more about her. We'll put some links to her stuff in the notes that you'll find at smartenough.org. But other than that, you've been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. Follow us at Twitter, SE2KB. And also Facebook, SE2KB. And because we're not just going to pimp and make you try to get other people to subscribe to our podcast, we're paying it forward. So this time I would like you to listen to the Guilty Feminist podcast, which might excite some of you and might turn you off, but I'm turned off by a lot of feminist stuff too. Craig's looking at me like so angry. Um, no, no, it is a really good no, podcast. No, 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 It's just that you, you, went, you, you stopped and started and that sort of stuff. Oh, no, I that, thought you were angry at me for saying rude things about feminists. Maybe, no, maybe I, I, didn't even, I didn't actually hear, didn't them, hear that. So I have bit. no idea what you said. I got away with murder then. Um, <laughs> it is a really good podcast. It's really fun. It's really funny. And it's really, it's really easy to get into. It's not sort of, it's not very hardcore or militant or anything. It's actually a really just a fun comedy podcast uh, by our friend Deborah Francis White, who is just going from strength to strength over there. Um, she's, a, she's a force of nature, funny and intelligent, and yes, I oh, amazing, amazing. My favorite podcast to listen to at the moment, one of my is I, I'm not into science ones. I have science ones, but I'm looking for other things. Oh, they to don't learn. need they don't need science podcasts. They've got us. Yeah, that's right. Exactly yeah, right. Don't need yeah, anything that's, else. That's and so I asked, I threw it out to Twitter to find different podcasts. I've been trying different things. That's why I learn different things I'm not, not into normally. There's one I really like about words. It's called The Illusionist, and it is amazing. The Illusionist, they're only short. They're only you know, 20 minutes long. And uh, I find every time I listen to it, I learn something about words. They're funny. They're interesting. These podcasts are great. So definitely look up The Illusionist. Very, very good. And also just pimp us. Why not? Pimp us as well. Actually, you know, I'm going to say something else, Dan, about a podcast that I enjoy. Yeah. And it, and it sounds it sounds a bit referencing one of ones referenced us. But I've been listening a lot to No Such Thing as a Fish, which did mention us a couple of podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. And I have been laughing more at that podcast than any other podcast, even comedy podcasts. I find them, even though they're not trying to be actively funny – they are actually funnier than most people trying to be actively funny. Like I go for a run with them in my ears and I end up laughing so hard I have to stop running sometimes. <laughs> it's not because I'm fat and overweight. That's not the reason. The reason is honestly. That's not the I'm reason like, you're so jolly? That's right. Exactly. That, well, it probably is. Uh, but, yeah, well known. Greg, Greg Wire is known for being very jolly. He's a, that's a, that's, 
Let's be Pandemia. But yes, definitely. Obviously, anyone who listens to this probably already listens to No Singers of Fish, but find No Such Singers of Fish and just laugh, laugh and laugh and laugh. I, and well, both of us are actually going over to the US in a couple yes. of months. We're going to be checking out that solar eclipse that you guys are having. The Americans are having. Uh, the, well, that you guys, if you're in the US and you're listening to this, but if you're in the UK, <laughs> I'm not talking to you right now, that you could have picked that up from context. Come on. All our Swedish friends. Jesus, either. everyone's in on the friggin'. Just shut up for a moment. Let me talk to our US listeners. <laughs> now, personally, I'm going to be driving around the west coast of the US for like five weeks. So if you're on the west coast or in or sort of a Colorado or... Where else am I going? Sort of north and south of Colorado and then down the coast as well. Just a big loop of that whole western bit. Get in contact and maybe we can do a meet-up and you can buy me a drink. That's right. Well, and I will be also there. Dan and I are not travelling together. We're going separately. I will be starting in Los Angeles and then sort of heading east, sort of heading into uh, Wyoming and uh, heading up to Casper for the eclipse. I'll be around there, then heading to Yellowstone National Park. So if you're a bear and you listen to the podcast, maybe, maybe leave out from behind a tree and say hi um and i'll be hiking or a cougar uh, i don't mean like a, an older lady in a pub i mean a literal cougar so uh and i'm happy be... for uh, old ladies in pubs to say hi to me too right? <laughs> that's i'm good with that so yeah definitely look us up i already actually had some listeners realize that i'd be around and i think i think i might be and i've forgotten who it was and i apologize to that listener but there was one listener who's also going to be in casper so i'm happy to meet up as well and to uh, to say hi i think half the world's going to be in casper it sounds like it's going to be very very busy indeed casper wyoming mm, exciting is it a is it a ghost town is it like but really friendly oh, is it a really oh. friendly ghost town <laughs> I bet they. I bet the. Oh, I bet they get that joke all the time. They, they get sick of that one. They, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. And I'm going to be bringing along some uh, eclipse glasses of my own, so I can, I can share them out with people who are around me. So if you don't bring your own stuff, but also if you're not that into solar eclipses, maybe don't go see it in Casper because then I have more chance of getting there on time and seeing it. So, <laughs> <laughs> please don't block up my highway. Yeah. Thank you. Your highway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and as we always like to say. Ants! 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 No, wrong one. That's, That's the totally wrong, wrong podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> That's not going to make any sense. No, no, That's... no. We'll do another one. Do another. No, 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 no. We'll just do another one no, for the no, next I've one, got one. I've got where, one, where we one. talk to the ant lady and you're like, dinosaurs? Aren't dinosaurs great? No, no, no. I've got one. I've got one. Let me, let me do one. Let me Go do one. on. Oh. And as we always like to say... Feathered dinosaurs! Oh, did you just cut out on purpose? So my image is frozen, huh? You can still hear me, That's though? That's not good. Still hear me? Can't hear me. Oh, hang on. Sorry, Caitlin. Sorry, Caitlin. Sorry, Caitlin. Um, I, yeah. I think we've lost Dan. I think we've Dan's dropped off the call. Oh, I can still Are hear you. Still you? Dan? Oh. Yeah? I am. I can still hear you. Oh. Hello? Now I can't. Ah, oh, bullshit. I was just, we were just talking, just quickly talking about the fluffy hat. When I did my master's, I, I looked down and the people were doing, and the, the PhDs were getting their PhDs, and I went, what's the hat? And people were like, that's, that's the PhD hat. I was like, I have never wanted a PhD so much in my life. <laughs> and it's really sad. It's the University of Western Australia here in Perth. They don't give you the floppy hat. What? So 
I know. There's something. They're trying to be more modern or something. So they, uh, you get a mortarboard with extra color or something. I was like, rubbish. Oh, no. Go the floppy hat. You've got to get the floppy <laughs> hat forever. I think you should wear it professionally forever. You've got, just... to keep, you've got to keep these items of fashion, if they can be called that, <sighs> you know, preserved just... in a way. Like even if it's only ceremonial once a year. Yes. Keep it around. <laughs> I, I think I think you are so many. What I've discovered about PhDs is they are so humble. They, they don't even like to be called doctor anything, and they go, "Oh no, I wouldn't wear the floppy hat." You're like, "You're an idiot! You've done all this work. Wear it all the time. Never take it off." <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite happy being called doctor at the moment, but I, yeah, I, I probably after a while I'll start thinking, "Oh well, you know, it's not that big a deal. It was so many years ago, you know." <laughs> but I'm not there at the moment. No, yeah, no, no, enjoy it. That's fantastic. <laughs> So can we? Um, so <laughs> I'm glad. Oh, hang on. Are you still there, Dan? Yep. Yes. Oh, I just lost him. Oh, come on! There's oh. goddamn. Oh, I can still sake. hear you. That was. Sorry, Caitlin. It's it's just. I think it's. I think Dan's frozen again. Sorry. I haven't oh, frozen. Okay, no, 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 sorry. Move your hands more, Dan. And there are always again the uh, people who are presenting ideas in talks, but then saying, please don't put this on Twitter. Yes, yes. Well, why publicly talking about it? Yes, working with astronomers, and I can't say much. Mm. All I can say is, have you heard about fast radio bursts? There's a thing, there's like a radio burst, no one knows what they really are, and it's like big, and all the stuff's happening around where I work about FRBs, and it's kind of the same thing. Everyone keeps going, oh, FRBs, blah, 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 and and then they look at me and go, you can never say this to anyone at any point ever, (laughs) and you're like, son of a, I do a podcast about science, I really would like to be able to get the scoop on FRBs. Well, you could tell us now, personally, right, I've definitely turned off the recording gut, I just turned off all the recording (laughs) stuff, so what's this FRB stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's, no, I'm good, Dan. Thanks. Thanks. Sounds uh, sounds Thank politically you. non-sensitive. No, 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 it's fine. I, I, does it have anything yeah, to do with this this star, which is definitely not aliens, that keeps like sending out these bizarre? <laughs> oh, Tabby Star. That that happened again. That dimmed again by three yeah, percent, this... and no one knows how. No, it's not nothing to do with Tabby Star. This is the next one coming out. So in the next couple right. of days, a it's, week or it's so. It's supposed to be out today, but I don't yeah, think well... that's going to happen. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to get in quickly because it's it's it's, it's topical. So and it's mm-hmm. it's not often that paleontology is topical. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll come out All this right. e- epoch. Yeah, that's right. Yes. yes. <laughs> now your lips, your visuals are not in sync with your sound at all. Like there's like a half second delay or a second delay almost. Nah, that's just a talent I have. Ever heard of Michael Winslow? <laughs> Kind of like that guy. Very good. I don't know where you're talking out of, but it's it's pretty exciting. Well done. I know where I'm talking out of. <laughs> and, of course, keeping to my crazy idea of trying to get as many women as possible. Brilliant. Very excited. So there you go. The right, right person for the right job and happens to be a woman. It's I had so a good. plan to get as many women as possible when I was younger. Still being recorded? Yeah, yeah, that's that's on record. <laughs> Excellent, that's really good. 